Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Hey guys. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome to the Relationship Advice Podcast. We're happy to have you here. 
We have another great show for you today where we welcome Larry Shashansky. And Larry is a speaker, author, and has been a psychotherapist for 40 years. And married for 35. 35. Pretty amazing. He has some amazing stories uh, to share with you guys today about his journey and his relationship and just all very touching. It was a wonderful interview. Yeah. Some really great personal stories that relate to today's topic of how we can be independent and rely on ourselves and not our partners for relationship happiness. And this is a theme we've talked about in past episodes, uh, but we really focus on it for the whole episode. And it's really just such a powerful stance because many of you are probably listening to the show by yourselves. Um, if you're listening to it with your with your partner, then that's great. But sometimes it might feel like you're on this journey and you want to improve the relationship and maybe you're kind of dragging your partner along. And Larry talks about the framework to approach it in a way that you don't feel like your relationship success relies on your partner kind of getting on board. And so I just really like that stance. It's been really valuable in Sarah and I's own relationship even if you're feeling good with your partner and there's not things going necessarily wrong, there's not conflict, Larry has a great perspective uh, for you guys today. And we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in, for sharing with a friend, for supporting our sponsors. All of that helps support us and helps us produce this show for free for you guys. So Uh, thank you so much. And if you haven't checked out our love tribe on Facebook, head on over to Facebook, love tribe, fam, F A M join our group of everybody just trying to support each other, uh, in our relationships. And if you haven't done the 14 day happy couple challenge on our website, it's up at the top. I do podcast.com click on the challenge, sign up and get 14 days of easy, doable challenges to help strengthen your relationship sent to your inbox every day. I was just thinking as Sarah was going (laughs) through that, if you guys want to hear a topic, definitely drop that in on the Facebook group. Or if you want to hear Sarah and I talk more about our own experiences in the past, people have wanted to hear more from Sarah. I want to hear more from Sarah, (laughs) but she, you know, and she has said, you can say yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm more of an introvert than you. It's harder for me, but I'm working on it. I'm improving. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> she, well, no, I just, I like to talk a lot and Sarah's not necessarily a talker. So, but my point being is just things like that. Or my mom told, told us the other day, she's like, you used to talk more about what was going on, like in your life and, and, uh, in the pre-show. And we just kind of dropped that just to be more, I don't know, concise as we're not doing right here, (laughs) just jumping into the interview, but you could just press that 30 second forward and it'll be in the interview right now. But let us know. I mean, if you want to know more, what we're up to, I was thinking maybe we do a question and answer uh, episode where people submit questions to us about, about our relationship and and uh, I don't know. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Sarah does too. And I'm always curious a little bit about the hosts. Um, sometimes not. So yeah, <laughs> just let us let know, us know. <laughs> uh, in the Facebook page or send us an email. Um, you can get through to us on idopodcast.com through there. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you. Enjoy the show. 
Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Larry. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Sure, absolutely. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about a very empowering stance on relationships, and that is how we can create the relationship we want, regardless of what the other partner is doing. So why don't we start by having you tell us and our listeners, maybe the myth surrounding that we need our other partner to be the one to make us happy. Oftentimes, when we enter into conflict or have a problem, and we engage someone else, in that we have an expectation that they will change in the way that we want them to change. So basically, oftentimes we will rely on others for our well-being. And that's the source of the conflict. Once we rely on other people to do what we think we need them to do to create the kind of relationships we want, that's the source of conflict. If I go to the movies, which happens to be the case, and I like the trailers, but my wife has a tendency not to be on time for things, initially I used to try to conjole her and try to get her to come to the movies early, and it just never worked. It always turned into her feeling that I was criticizing her, and I always felt disappointed that she never heard what I was what I wanted. Um, at some point, I realized that I can go early and she can just come at whatever time she wants to come. Um, but I had to first stop thinking that the answer to that difficulty or that problem or that conflict was in her being on time. Once I did that, then I could look at myself and I could say, well, what part of this conflict am I playing? And that part happened to be I was depending on her to be on time in order for me to have a good experience at the movies. Once I realized that, I made a decision to go to the movies early. And if she wanted to come early, she could come early. If not, I'd see her later when she eventually got there. And usually she gets there about five or 10 minutes later than when I get there. And so that's what we often do in our culture. We learn from a very young age how to depend on others to get what we want, particularly in relationships. And this is a strange idea for most people that we can actually lead relationships to where we want, not in a domineering or controlling way, but in a way that we look at ourselves and figure out what we need to do to create the kind of relationships we want. That's got to be a pretty freeing feeling to get to a place where you're both happy in the situation. You know, you get to see your movies and she gets to not be there because that is not enjoyable to her. So how would you 
start those initial dialogues of maybe something as simple as a discussion about the importance of seeing the previews at a movie theater? So the dialogue actually doesn't start between the two of us. The dialogue starts in my head. And the very first thing I need to do is stop thinking about her coming to the movies. And all the noise I have around that, if she loved me, she'd come to the movies. If uh, she really cared about me, she'd come to the movies. Why can't she just come to the movies early? It's such a simple thing to do. If she can make it 10 minutes late, why can't she make it 10 minutes early? All those kinds of things that go through our heads about the other person, first I have to clear that out of my mind. I have to just stop thinking about her as the answer to my unhappiness. Once I do that, then I go into this self-reflective part of me. Who am I? What am I doing in this conflict? Because what I'm doing in this conflict is usually what I do in other relationships in my life during conflict. I just don't realize it. It's baggage, so to speak, that I carried with me my whole entire life in terms of being dependent on other people to solve my uh, unhappiness. So I look deeply in myself and I see what that's about. Do I need to be more assertive? Do I need to be more uh, withdrawn or passive? Do I need to be a little more aggressive? Do I need to be um, whatever I need to be? Do I need to stop being a victim? Do I need to be more independent? You know, what, what is the self-reflection? Who am I and what am I doing? From there, I make a decision. You know, it might be a discussion with her. It may not be a discussion with her. Maybe I've tried to talk to her before and it didn't work. So now I have to take more action statements or more actions. Maybe it could be a wide variety of things. It's not necessarily just in my conversation with her. It's about what do I need to do from my self-reflection. If I'm too dependent on her, for example, that's my self-reflection, then I need to be a little more independent around this issue. And that once I decide that, let's say me being more independent in relation to her around this going to the movies, then I step back into the relationship and I initiate what I've decided to do. Now, usually the problem with this is what I have in my mind, because I'm a therapist. And so the first thing I say, well, I'll tell her how I feel and I'll communicate that. But oftentimes what I picture in my head is I'll communicate how I feel, and she'll say, oh, I understand, and she'll start to be on time. But the reality is the decisions we make in our head once we step back into the relationship often does not get played out the way we want it to get played out. And so we throw up our hands and we say, oh, you see, I knew it was her, <laughs> but it's not the case. So what we need to do is we need to make, we need to make that commitment to redoing that process of taking a step back, getting her out of my head, seeing what my self-reflection is, self-reflecting rather, stepping back, making a decision, stepping back in. And I need to do that over and over and over and over and over again. Because my perspective is that in relationships, issues don't get solved. It's one of the greatest myths that we carry around that creates even more conflict than not. So this issue of going to the movies probably won't ever get solved. We have, most couples have, three or four key issues in their lives you know, around intimacy, around money, around timeliness, you know, around cleanliness, around different kinds of things. Now, 
this issue of her being on time is we've had since we first got married. But I've learned that I don't need to solve it. I need to evolve it over time. That means how I deal with her and the way the conflict looks, it needs to look different the fifth year of marriage than it did the first year, different the 10th year than it did the fifth year, different the 20th year than it did the 15th year, and now different the 35th year of our marriage than it did even the 30th year of marriage. The issue still remains. Like I'm, I'm waiting for my, when we hang up from this, I'm driving my wife to Logan Airport. She needs to catch a flight and we need to be out by 1230. Now, she said to me last night, wake me up at 830, Larry, so I can get ready. Um, Sarah and Chase, she's still sleeping. <laughs> and it's uh, pushing 10 o'clock. <laughs> I, know, I know. By the time we finish, it'll be 11 and she'll still be sleeping. Uh. <laughs> so that issue of timeliness shows up in a lot of different areas and it always will. But how I deal with it, how she deals with it, and the conflict that we've created around it evolved, has evolved over time. And as we evolve the way we deal with it, we also evolve our relationship to a better place. Thank you for sharing that personal story. And this is, it's such a revolutionary idea in a way, because we're not raised in 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 a way to think that our happiness should come from within. And I really want to dig into this, but my question is kind of bluntly, then what's the point of a relationship? Obviously I'm saying that almost rhetorically, but it's like, if I'm going to not look to change my partner or and get them to be on time or whatever, then what should I be cultivating either within myself or within the relationship so that that we're not just always sacrificing what we want in a sense. Does that make, does that make sense? Yes. So I'm not sacrificing anything. I'm not compromising what I want. I'm not sacrificing what I want. I'm growing into who I need to become in the relationship. And so as I do that and the conflict is reduced as we evolve forward, then we're much more able to hold hands and to give hugs and to joke together and to and to have and to and to cultivate those kinds of things that we have in common. I mean, we have we have been married for 35 years. We've raised two sons and a daughter. One's 38, and my other my oldest son is 38. My next son is 33, and my daughter is 31. Now, that's quite an, for lack of a better word, that's quite an accomplishment. And so that working together over the years. Um, it's not going to be conflict-free, but the purpose of the relationship is that we can accomplish more together than we can separately, number one. Number two, my love for her, and hopefully her love for me, has grown deeper and deeper and deeper over the years. I mean, I've never been in love with anyone like I've been in love with my wife. I could not have said that the first year of my marriage. So as I do the work I need to do and continue to step back into the relationship and be willing to enter into conflict with her. <clears throat> so here's a great story. When my parents uh, were married, they used to argue about how my father ate. He had high blood pressure. He had a heart attack and he used to eat horribly. And we didn't have a lot of money. My mother used to periodically buy Delmonico steaks. 
which back then were the coup de gras of meats. So she'd prepare that, she'd prepare nice vegetables, and she'd take her time. And my father would sneak into the refrigerator, get a bottle of ketchup, and douse it with ketchup. <laughs> and they would be off and running in terms of, hi, the ketchup's not good for you. And he'd argue back and forth and back and forth. And um, he contracted prostate cancer. And two days before he died, we were sitting in the hospital room, and he had finished most of his dinner. But he didn't want to eat this jello, this ugly looking jello that was on the table in front of him. The woman came and take the tray, and my mother takes the jello off the tray and puts it in front of my father. And in a really kind, soft voice, she says to my father, Hi, you have to eat the jello. And my father was about half his weight, very, very weak at that point. And he goes, Ah, I'm not eating the jello. And a little stronger voice, my mother says, Hi, you're going to eat the jello. And a little stronger voice, he says to her, Uh-uh, I am not eating the jello. He dips the spoon in the jello, brings it towards him, and says, You're going to eat the jello. <laughs> and with as much energy I've seen my father in months, he pops up from a, a lying position into a sitting position and says, Leave me alone, I'm not eating the jello. And he plops back down. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, oh, my God, leave him alone, for God's sake. Have some compassion for him. And, and two days later, he died. And they figure he died somewhere between 5 and 7 in the morning. And they waited until about 9 o'clock to call my mom. And they call her. And she's very upset. And she calls my nephew, who takes the time. And to, she's got to get ready and he takes his time to pick her up and she doesn't get there until about 12 o'clock. She's asked them to keep the body in the room. So she goes into the room and you can imagine he's got this deathly white about him and his eye, eyes are probably sunken in at that point. And she says to me, she says, Larry, I looked at your father and he looked as handsome as the first day that I met him. And she says, I walked over to him and I kissed him on the lips and I said, hi. I will never love another man like I loved you. And she walked out of the room. And for years, I could not reconcile what had happened two days before his death in terms of the same argument they had had and the loving and tenderness that she felt for him and the love that she felt for him and that I know he felt for her. And what I came up with was that, one, the argument or the conflict they had was only a conflict between the two of them. They had made a commitment that we are going to have the good parts of our lives, but we are going to find a way to weave this conflict into the good parts of our life because you can't have relationship without conflict. So they, so they were not going to let this go. I was saying, oh my God, be compassionate. That was her compassion. That was her telling my father, I'm in it till you die. But there was another element to that. And I think that this argument never evolved for them over time. So this argument actually got in their way of expressing and showing the love they, and the tenderness that I want in my marriage. So that, that's, that's a long answer to your question. Conflict is an integral part of any relationship. One of the myths we have is that if we do away with conflict, then we have a good relationship. No, 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 no. It's about how I personally deal with the conflict with you, not with anybody else, 
because I got to tell you, the only other people she has this late conflict with is her is my sons and daughter. It drives them nuts. They go absolutely berserk over this. But for me, my love for her and her love for me is that, yes, we will weave in this problem we have into our healthy, good parts of our marriage. The parts of our marriage that are still dependent on one another, but do not create conflict. So that's the advantage of me going inside, doing the work I need to do, coming back out and re-engaging with her and saying, honey, I'm in this forever with you. And I'm going to deal with this conflict over and over and over again because I love you. And then the other parts of our marriage that we're dependent on work really well. You know, we take walks. We both love movies. We love, both love to travel. I mean, there's a lot. You know, we, buy, we just bought a house two years ago that was built in 1750. Now, not, I wouldn't have been able to buy this house with a lot of other people. A lot of other people want more modern or they want to live in different areas or they want to live in Costa Rica or Florida. But my wife and I have enough in common that this is the house we chose and we're as happy as we can be in this house. Does that answer your question, Chase? Yes. And thank you for sharing that story. And yeah, it's it's almost like the conflict is also a tool for growth and for learning. Absolutely. Because when I when I go into myself, I don't withdraw. And part of what I think you're implying by the question is that this is an issue of withdrawal. No, no, no. I'm going within myself, figuring me out, and then stepping back in to you. And taking that perspective it can be so helpful because, like to example from your parents, it's like otherwise you're just stuck in this loop and it's not productive for anything. You're not growing. And and it's almost like you're you're unconscious of what the real issue or thing is. You're arguing over the jello, but it's really you know, something else. And, and that is, is a roadblock to, to growth, right? Is that ultimately? It's a road, it's a roadblock to individual growth, which leads to the growth of the relationship, the evolution of the relationship, the deepening of love in a relationship. Oftentimes I read or hear that you need to be compassionate. That's the key element or you need to be trusting, that's the key element, or you need to be loving, that's the key element. In my mind's eye, the key element to having a really deep, meaningful, loving relationship is developing those characteristics about myself that allows me to be in a loving relationship. And it might be trust, but it might be assertiveness, it might be more independence. It could be so many different things. It's not a standard, I need to be more loving. Because in some relationships, and I've done this in my relationship, when I'm more loving and my wife is not, what do I do with that? Most people say, well, you just leave the relationship. In my mind's eye, no, I'm not going to leave the relationship. There's actually, and this is an aside, but there's actually in my mind two ways to leave a relationship. One, you break apart, and in which case you are going to create the same relationship with somebody else or you grow apart. That means if I become more independent around going to the movies and my wife doesn't grow with me around this conflict and I continue to grow 
and continue to develop in relation to her and she doesn't, then we grow apart. Once we grow apart, I'm in a better place to establish another relationship with another person, a healthier relationship. Let's dig into that a little bit because Sarah and I are, have been together for 10 years and Thank, Thank you. you. And, and it's exciting because we're, I feel like learning more about ourselves and each other than ever before at this moment. And hopefully that continues. But one thing that I have struggled with or, or something I want to work on is, is I'll have things that I'm really into and, and I'm, let's say, growing into. And Sarah is supportive of that. But I, I want to share it with her sometimes. And and so then I, I'll tell myself, OK, I don't I don't need her to make me happy. I'm going to go pursue this thing because I like it and she's supportive, but I don't need her. But there's a part of me that wants her and she and I'm, this isn't an attack. She does share some of these things. It's not like she's not open to it. My dialogue with myself is like, I wish he did it more. Or, so is that just my journey of just continuing to to tell myself it, it's okay that she's not doing that and I need to just do this on my own? And I'm not saying I feel this way, but where does that then become that we are growing apart in a in a way that is detrimental to the relationship? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Baked by Melissa. So Valentine's Day is quickly approaching. And if you're like me, you never know what to get your loved ones. But one thing I do know is that I can never go wrong if I get Chase something that is chocolate. Nope. <laughs> so this year, sorry to spoil it to you, babe, but I'm getting Chase some of the bite-sized cupcakes from Baked by Melissa. Oh, what? I'm giving you the same thing. <laughs> Surprise. Oh my goodness. Who would have thought? We can just pick out the flavors we want. We have terrible sweet tooth. <laughs> we do. Sweet teeth? Sweet tooth. Sweet tooth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they look super cute. They're really tiny and bite-sized and delicious. And I cannot wait for my no longer surprise, Valentine's Day gift. And you can have one of each flavor and not feel guilty because they're so tiny and bite-sized. And you can even take a bite out of two at the same time. If you get creative, maybe something Ooh. like milk chocolate and dulce de leche. Ooh, yes. That sounds delicious. Oh, yes, that does. And some of the flavors that are available just in time for Valentine's Day are white chocolate, cookies and cream, red velvet, milk chocolate, dulce de leche, like Chase just mentioned, and many more. Plus, they have vegan and gluten-free options. And the gift boxes that they come in for Valentine's Day are so cute. Like I'm going to have to send them to all my girlfriends because the gift box alone is like a perfect little decoration piece. I'm not piece. the only one getting cupcakes? <laughs> nope. Sorry, oh, babe. <laughs> Baked by Melissa offers one and two day shipping nationwide. Remember the last day for standard shipping for Valentine's Day delivery is February 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So don't miss it. 
Don't miss it. So this Valentine's Day, send your loved ones the perfect gift. Baked by Melissa. Go to bakedbymelissa.com slash I do and use the promo code I do to get 15% off your order. Take advantage of this special offer for our listeners. That's 15% off bakedbymelissa.com slash I do and enter the promo code I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. We mention it a lot on the show, but therapy is really one of the best things you can do as an individual and potentially as a couple to improve your personal life and your relationships. And BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and online environment. You can communicate with your therapist via text, chat, phone, and video, and there are over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in relationships, depression, stress, anxiety, self-esteem, anger, trauma, and many more areas. Anything you share is confidential, and if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. And best of all, it is truly an affordable option. Our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code I do. So get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash I do and simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash I do to get 10% off your first month. So if you need to withdraw in order to accomplish this, then it's detrimental to the relationship. But one of the, one of the issues about uh, trying to accomplish something or self-growth, that some of the research shows that if you actually do share that with Sarah, you've watered down your resolve to actually accomplish what you need to accomplish. So what they say is that as you talk about what you're doing to other people, and they support you, and they congratulate you, there's a chemical that goes off in your brain that is the same chemical that's emitted as if you've accomplished the task. So then you're less likely to accomplish that task. The fear, the underlying, the implication of your question is that there is a fear that if I grow and Sarah doesn't, the relationship will be over. That's why most of us don't grow. I see, I see a number of women in the practice, in my, personal pra- in my professional practice, who have gone back to school. And with a year, they've dropped out. They've either flunked out or they dropped out. And what is that about? Because as they start to grow and their husbands don't, they become fearful that the relationship will end. So they give up their self. I had the same issue when I was writing this book. Because it has taken a lot of personal development for me to write this book, a lot of personal development for me to be on a podcast such as this. And as each step that I grew, my wife, I remember once I, I, was, I was here, it must have been at one o'clock in the morning, and I had an editing uh, deadline I had to make by the next day. And I'm sitting here at the kitchen table, and she comes in the room puts a blanket down on the floor and goes to sleep next to me because she, she was threatened by my movement. Sometimes early on when I would go to give and give talks, she would come with me. Somebody would ask me something, she'd answer the question. 
because she wanted to be so much a part of it. So now she doesn't come anymore. But I am now able to, 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 to reach towards my goal around this. And here's the key, but stay engaged in other areas of my life. And my wife has now grown into the fact that I've grown to the point that I've grown to. So that, so if you imagine a chart, Chase, imagine a chart, let's say from zero to a hundred, and let's call it an independence chart or a maturity part chart or a growth chart. When I meet my wife, we're both, let's say at a 30, right? Because as much as we like to think we're more mature than our partners are, we're not. Because if I'm a 30 and she's an 80, we're not getting together. It just doesn't happen. So we meet at a 30. As I grow to, let's say, a 40, right? And I stay engaged with my wife. And that's the important piece here. As you grow individually, it's important to continually stay connected. So this is an issue of creating distance and intimacy at the same exact time. It's almost like a, 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 a Buddhist thought that two opposites can exist at the same exact time. So what happens is I grow to a 40, my wife can create a lot of conflict and she can decide I'm not growing and then we grow apart. But if I grow to a 40, then she grows to a 40. We have then met at a more mature, more independent, more growth place. And not only have I grown individually, but she's grown individually and that grows our relationship deeper in love. So the issue is the fear that we have when we take that step forward individually. And again, this is not about withdrawing. It's not about not being including. It's not about totally separating from somebody else. It's finding the balance between individual growth and being connected at the same time. And that's a balancing. That's a fine line balancing act that the example that you gave, one of the things that's important to learn. Does that make any sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I have a question. What would you tell someone that they feel like they're at a 60, but their partner is at a 30, you know, and they're not, not even that they don't want to grow. Maybe they're open to it, but it just doesn't feel like they're, it's a priority for them. What, what can the, the partner that feels like they're at a 60 do? What can they say to themselves or to their partner? Now, again, it's important to hear the fear in the question because I hear this question a lot. And the fear is that how can I bring my partner along, right? So we can stay together so I don't lose the relationship. The answer is you cannot bring your partner along. You can talk to your partner about what's happening. You can engage in conversation about what's going on. Honey, I don't mean to be exclusive of you, but this is what I'm doing in my life. And, and, and I think it's important for me to keep this separate from you so I can really delve into this and do what I need to do. I still love you. I still care about you. We have a lot in common. I still want to be a part of you, but I need to move forward in this. So you engage in a dialogue around that. But if you engage in that dialogue as a way of pulling them along, it won't work because you enter into a power struggle. 
and a control issue. But if you engage in a dialogue as a way of saying, as a way of leading the relationship to a better place, and that's what I think the individual growth is all about. I'll stay engaged in conversation about what I think is happening here, right? I won't pull you along, but in my mind's eye, I hope I can lead you to the 60 so that we can have a deeper, more loving, caring, mature relationship. If that doesn't happen, it's going to be very difficult for me, but we may not be able to stay together. And I don't need, think that needs to be said in the conversation, but that's an awareness that needs to be had by all parties. So to answer your question, if, if, if you're a 60 and, and Sarah's a 30, it would be about engaging in that because that's what the conflict is. One, and by the way, I've never seen a couple where people grow together. What usually happens if you grow to a 60 and Sarah goes, oh, that feels pretty good. I'll do my own growth to a 60 and we'll gauge together at a 60. That's what this is about. If that makes any sense. It does. And I think something that would be valuable for me and for our listeners would be maybe a little bit more information on how to set expectations in this situation. Cause I think it can be very easy for, for example, Chase to expect that I want to grow equally and, and not that I don't, but I think that can be dangerous when there are certain expectations set. And then obviously if they're not met, that is a whole other potential conflict that can arise in the relationship. No question. No question. That, that expectation is created out of fear. What happens if I grow and Sarah doesn't, right? It's, it's controlling. Um, it's, um, it's, not truly, it's not truly growth by the other person. If I have to bring you along, right? If I have to bring my wife along, and sometimes she doesn't even come to the movies, right? Because she's so late. But if I, if I have an expectation is that I expect you to do something that'll make me feel better about my growth. And that's where the conflict comes in. All the, all those expectations are nothing more than dependency on the other person to do what you want them to do so you can feel better about becoming a 60. And that creates an enormous amount of conflict. Because at that point, again, you're trying to pull the person along with you as opposed to leading them to a better spot. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Oh, my wife is up. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> See, you were leading. You were leading. You weren't trying to pull her for force her out of bed. See, that's exactly right. And she was able to be independent enough to do what she needed to do. We just looked at each other. We had this really nice, tender smile, and we're still smiling at each other. And that's what I'm talking about, that because I could let go of her waking up and, and, and do what I needed to do, she did what she needed to do, and we just meet at such a different better place it's from much she's still smiling and so am i right? <laughs> she just threw me a kiss <laughs> that's what this is about it's handle that conflict and then once you get on the other side of that personal growth the relationship grows to a much better spot it's a beautiful thing and and that's really 
the point of a relationship is that we're not pulling each other along, but one is, you know, one person can be leading at one time, but then at another time, the other person's leading in a way to use the example of your wife. She being late is a, it can highlight your, I'm not saying this is your situation, but that you could be maybe a little bit anxious or a little bit uptight about being on time. And then that causes you to relax a little bit. And, and it's like this, this yin and yang, this push and pull. That's exactly right. That's exactly how it works. And the yin and yang takes you to a much better place with each other. That's exactly right. That's perfectly said. Well, we love that we had like the real time, uh, happening of, of this, all this stuff you're talking about in, in action during the interview. Um, right. terrific. And, and Larry, we really appreciate all of this great advice and the stories that you shared. Before we wrap up, can you tell us, you know, we've talked about your marriage and your wife being together for 35 years. Um, we also want you to tell us about your book uh, before we wrap up as well. But besides some of the things that we've talked about, uh, today, as far as just looking within for your own happiness and not towards your partner, what are some other secrets that you guys have found to be really valuable in your uh, 35-year marriage? Um, I don't think we buy a lot of the myths. The myth of, for example, lack of conflict is is what relationship, good relationships are about. We don't buy that. We don't buy the compromise is necessary in a relationship because it's not. If compromise is nothing more than if I, I'm giving up something I don't want to give up, you're giving up something you don't want to give up to create peace. And what usually happens with that is I'll look at you to make sure you're doing your part. You'll look at me to make sure I'm doing my part. So compromise actually lays a seed for distrust or mistrust. And so what we've learned is we don't compromise. We actually stand our grounds. We stand in our own truth. And we, for lack of a better word, hash out those, even if it's two diametrically opposed ideas, until we come to a conclusion that is different than what either one of us had. And it's not pretty sometimes. And I got to tell you, I'm conflict diverse. I hate conflict. But what we have learned is that conflict is an important part as opposed to compromise. So we don't compromise. We don't look at each other and say, you're not the right person or you are the right person for me. So we've learned some of the myths um, in relationships that, that we have just dropped. And we're much more authentic with each other at this point. Um, I have a daughter who's married and I officiated her wedding. And her wife is um, not Jewish and she's Jewish. And my daughter's Jewish. And so my daughter wanted Jewish elements in the wedding. And she she went a bit overboard because there's this thing in weddings called seven blessings. And they're all said in Hebrew. And my her fiance at that point said, well, I don't want that because nobody on my side of the family will understand what's going on. So that was two diametrically opposed ideas. My daughter wanted it. Her fiance did not want it. So how do you solve that? You solve that through some sort of um, 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 conversation and conflict that went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And what they came up with 
in my mind, was beautiful. What they came up with is they took seven values that they hold true to their hearts about relationships, and they had seven people or seven groups, and they gave each per each group or each person um, a value. Like somebody had trust, somebody had fidelity, somebody had love, those kinds of things. And each person came up with their own personal song or poem or statement that they wanted to make to them during the wedding ceremony. And they never, ever, ever would have been able to come up with that if they had compromised. And so what we've learned is compromise doesn't work. Conflict is a necessary part of it. Standing in our own truth, not personalizing things, those kinds of things is what we've learned. And I'll tell you, one of the important parts that I've learned in my marriage is commitment. Because early on in my marriage, all I wanted to do was run away. I just, I didn't think I could do it. It, uh, There was too much conflict for me. And any conflict for me used to be too much conflict. And I wanted to divorce, and I thought I'd met the wrong woman, and all those kinds of things. And she hung in there. She made a commitment beyond what my commitment was. And I have learned from her. I've grown into being able to make a commitment to her. So that's some of the things that I've learned in my marriage. Thank you so much for all these stories. And I thought the compromise was going to be three and a half blessings, but I think, I think, I think they came to a better one. The interesting part about that is that would have been a compromise Yeah, and, and, that's and so, neither one of them would mm-hmm. have been satisfied with it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Really beautiful stories. And, and we thank you so much for sharing them, Larry. So before we You're wrap welcome. up, uh, why don't you tell us and our listeners about your book, where we can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. So I'm, I have been trying to write this book for 35 years. I've written thousands and thousands of pages. I've had um, uh, writing coaches. I've gone to conferences. I've taken classes. And I was never, ever able to get anything published. Now, I couldn't write an article. Um, I couldn't write a short short. I couldn't do it. Nothing ever got published. And in 1990, I was diagnosed with hepatitis C. And that's a virus that I had carried around with me for about 40 years. I had gotten it from my drug addiction in my early 20s. Once I was diagnosed, I made a determination that I was going to stay as healthy as I possibly could until they found a cure. Um, my friends said I was nuts because thousands of people a year back then were dying of hepatitis C. It's a liver disease, actually. It's a scarring and scarring, and then you eventually get esophageal cancer or liver cancer. And I changed my diet. I exercised more. I got more sleep. I just ran. I got more spirituality, got into yoga and meditation. So I basically just got into a healthier lifestyle in general. I was in two trials of interferon and robivarin, both of which almost killed me. They were just absolutely horrific and horrible. And about three years ago, I was put in a phase three trial with a new medication. And within two weeks, I was cured. Wow. And wow. it was absolutely like a miracle, I got to tell you. For the first time in my life, I felt like I had known myself. I had energy. Uh, I didn't have to take naps. Uh, so for 40 years, you can imagine walking around with a virus. I was depressed and I was drawn and I couldn't think straight. I had to sleep a lot. 
And I didn't realize it. And once it was cleared, I just realized it was like knowing myself for the first time in my life. And at that point, I was able to muster around a team around me to write the book and get it out about a year ago. So that's the story of how the book was written. The book is about relationships. And I really believe that what I've learned in my 40 years of doing therapy with couples, because that's my focus, that's what I love to do most, in my marriage of 35 years, with my kids, with my friends, with my family of origin, I think I have learned a way that really works in relationships. And the strange thing about it is I don't think it's anything new. I think when any of us, any of us do the work, any of us have any level of accomplishment in our lives, we have done this. We have stepped back, gotten the noise out of our head, self-reflected, made decisions, and stepped back into the world. And it's almost like discovering the atom kind of thing. That this is nothing new under the sun, but it seems so radical to me about that. It's not about being totally independent. It's about being independent enough. Because in my mind's eye, and this is the crux of the book, all conflict stems from dependency, but not all dependency creates conflict. So all you really need to be concerned about is the dependency that creates conflict and what you're going to do about that. And that's what the book is about. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing how you came to writing the book and a little bit about the book. And for our listeners, they can find the links to your book on our website, idpodcast.com and the show notes. And do you also have a website as well that people can go to? Sure. I have a website. It's independentenough.com. And if people want to download it, they can download the book for free. Um, or they can go to amazon.com and buy the book. The purpose for me is not to make money off this book. It's to really reach out and help people. It's interesting, Sarah, because I, I thought initially that I wanted to be a writer. And then as I wrote this book through the process of writing it, I figured I didn't want to be a writer. I just wanted to continue to help as many people as I could. It's kind of like my life's purpose I discovered through writing this book. So they can go to independentenough.com and they can download it for free. Or like I said, they can go to Amazon and get the book. Well, thank you again, Larry, for coming on the show. And uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you, Chase. I really appreciate this. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our 
flagship course, Spark My Relationship. We hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com